everyone, welcome back to another episode of Knowledge is Key. I'm your host, Key Renee. Um, as I always say, thank you guys so much for tuning in, no matter where you're tuning in from, whether you're in your car, if you're watching this from YouTube, you know we love and appreciate you so much for tuning in. And um, man, I just, I just hope you guys have been having a good week. I always like open up these shows and I just be like, I never really even know what to say at the very beginning, except for I hope you guys are having an amazing time. We're going to have a good time today on the show, but before we get into our guests and what we're going to do, you know, I always have to remind you that if you want to stay up to date with everything that we're doing on this show, make sure that you join our VIP community by texting the word knowledge to 21,000. Again, that is knowledge to 21,000 and that's how you get early access to all these episodes plus merchandise and deals and all the things that we have to offer here on the show. So today I have with me Shane Norman. Um, he's an overall entrepreneur. Um, I can't even, I wanted to like give him some titles but I feel like he does so much that it's like how do you just put that in a box. So we're just gonna entrepreneur, that's exactly what you are. So Shane, thank you so much for joining us today. Yeah, you're such a busy man, so I do thank you for taking the time to come and talk to Good us. Work. Um, so today we're going to be talking all about the back end of television um, and streaming and networks and just the development of it um, because that's what you have a background in. Um, so I just want, just for people who are like, who is this man? Um, if you could just let them know who you are and what your background entails. So yeah, currently I'm out in Hollywood or in the city, kind of build you know businesses with partners and with talent. Um, worked with Kevin Hart and Laugh Out Loud uh, for for a number of years. Laugh Out Lionsgate Group. Um, currently building that sort of men's vertical. Work with uh, Borsing and Cole Kojo on the upcoming fitness app. And of course, Zeus Network, which is I think I had on the Zeus Mask. Yeah, we first met. Yeah. And uh, yeah, I'm really super proud of all these all these products. And like to say, um, there's a real opportunity in this space to sort of build enterprise. Like that's one of like my passions, actually building things. Yeah. You know, with people. So do you? And on yours, are you a fan of the the back end of like building the components, like the technical side of it, or are you more a fan of the development with the business thing? Well, I like to say this. I mean, I've been a developer for a, long, a number of years. When Christmas season, I actually launched Elf Yourself. I don't know if I ever told you that. I've seen that on yeah. when I was yeah. yeah. So 2012, uh, launched the first ever uh, Elf Yourself app, and I like to say that you know technology sort of democratized itself, where it's everything's a lot more accessible. And to some degree, and I hate to say this sometimes as like a technologist, is that it's uh, more accessible than what it used to be. Mm -hmm. So it's still exciting because it like has to, like, at the end of the day, you know, sort of Steve Jobs mantra, has to work, right? Um, that's a fundamental part of like being successful. Like you have to be able, like your podcast has to be accessible and people hear it, right? Yeah. Because it's 45 minutes long and, you know, people lose it at, you know, a moment, you know, sort of minute 10. Yeah. Um, then it's not, not something they're going to continue to come, come back. So it basically just has to work. But I think to some degree, we've almost trusted uh, past to be able to get there without friction. It's surprising, I think, for some people when they find, oh, crap, it doesn't work. It crashed. Like, we're at a point of technology where, at least in the context of, like, the network, it's, it's special. But yeah. it's not, like, that special. It's stable enough where we you know, figured out what we're doing over the years to, you know, to make it work. Yeah, I feel like, and in, in over the years, I mean, especially because since the development of the the, the Elf Yourself app, a mm -hmm. lot has changed in the industry with, yeah. like, technology. And even there's, like, so many apps now, I feel like, where there are apps showing you how to make apps. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, so, like, it's like a plug-in, drop-and-go type of thing, but it doesn't have the same user yeah. activity. Like, you can't do the same type right. of 
stuff with that. That's I actually a really great point. That's actually a really great point because I think a lot of great ideas, and this is I I say this to 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 you, other entrepreneurs and other people, creative people. Is a lot of times we disqualify ideas because they're sort of ahead of their time, mm. and it's like you know, the devices can't necessarily support them. So I'll tell you the magic of where uh, I, Elf Yourself, sort of landed in my lap. I created a company called Magic Mirror with a whole other purpose, and secretly was building a video generation tool that would allow you to use your local device to generate a video. Yeah. So the folks who you know sort of ran the the, the campaign came to us, you know, last minute and said, "Hey, I heard what you guys are building." Could you build an app for this? So we okay. built it, you know, the first year within three or four weeks. But the idea was on iPhone at that time, you know, pretty, fairly sophisticated devices. What we really figured out was like how to do that on Android because at that time the computing power and the ability to actually process a live video or render faces along with the video is a pretty big deal. Yeah. So that was actually what you know allowed us to you know be able to accelerate. But that single technology piece was like. Probably just a few years away in the in the in the way of uh, in the sort of the area of development for Android phones yeah. because they just don't have didn't have the power at the time that um, iPhones do. Very simple, but it's also that's a very similar. I use that lesson for a lot of inventions, ideas to realize that a lot of times you great ideas are just slightly ahead of their time. I mean, that, I mean, anytime I think of like ideas or people, mm -hmm. I always just think of Missy Elliott. Mm -hmm. Like, Missy Elliott, like, to me, whether it's through technology, through anything, like, she was so ahead of her time when we were, like, well, when I was young, looking yeah, at, like, yeah. um, all her music videos and the way she was using animation and the way that she was using, mm -hmm. like, 3D graphics and stuff, like, everything that she was doing back then is what people are actually doing now, right. and it's, like, so normal. Yeah. But back when Missy was doing it back in the day, people were like, what is all this right. crazy stuff? She's yeah. putting other heads on different bodies yeah, and, yeah. like, how is, like, you know, yeah, but today, yeah. if... You go on um, Instagram, there's a filter that will do that right. for you. Right. So exactly. it's like, just to think that, like, that totally, like, makes sense and tune to everything that we deal with. Yeah. Um, when it comes to, um, like, the, just, like, how television has migrated, because I feel like everything right now is digital. We have mm -hmm. Netflix. We have Amazon Prime. Like, everything is going to app-based, subscription-based models. Mm -hmm. um, and I feel like with Laugh Out Network, they're kind of at the same model. Um, Zeus Network has the same kind of model. And then we have this company, Quibi, that, you know, launched during the pandemic that mm -hmm. also shut down in, within four months during the pandemic. Yeah. Um, so how do you feel about this whole subscription-based model? And when you're going to develop these apps, what are some of the obstacles that you've seen when it comes to building these kind of platforms? Well, it's actually uh, interesting you said that uh, Laugh Out Loud doesn't have a subscription business. It's still oh. a, a network, if you will. But the, the, the group's run by some of the smart people I've ever worked with. And um, early on, what they discovered, what we discovered together, was the idea that there was a larger, greater opportunity for that kind of network to really sort of live everywhere. So they yeah. sort of coined a anywhere, everywhere approach and kind of got away from the subscription business where everybody else was sort of going in that direction. Mm. Um, and they've been really, really successful and had, you know, and basically what I think in their success is found, sort of created their, their niche and then found the right partners to go partner with. So yeah. they're on Pluto and they just did a big deal with NBC and a huge deal, uh, Kevin's on, um, Sirius XM. So their path is very different, and I think they've. I think they're one of the really, really great case studies of like some of the early networks that survived. And I think their success, particularly, is like learning how to sort of diversify. For the, you know, some core subscription business, um, the folks that have succeeded, and I think that are doing really well, are ones who really understand audience. Zeus is one of those 
um, examples. Let me, let me Plummer, the founder, I think, is a, has always been a brilliant creative mind. Um, and he and I connected a few years ago, so, you know, uh, restructure and build, build network. But I've watched the, the growth of it has really been focused on understanding audience. Yeah. And the reason why Netflix is so far ahead of everybody else is they, they really, really understand who they're serving. And like, yeah. that's the core thing. So that's actually the part where the technology aside, technology aside in terms of like the, the brick and mortar, the digital brick, brick and mortar is, is, is a bit more trivial. The real technology is, do you understand the habits and the patterns uh, of your who's, audience? Yeah. And who you're reaching and how you super, super, super sort of serve them. And I think we talked about you know, Quibi in sort of our uh, early conversations. And I think they did two things wrong. I think they did both sides of technology were, were bad. The platform brick and mortar side, because they were just isolated to just phones. Yeah. And they also think that a lot of people didn't understand the reason why Netflix is such a juggernaut. And I see this day to day with the smaller networks that we're, that we're, that we, that we're running, is it's so critically important to understand who you're serving. Mm -hmm. and, and if you don't, you know, you're, you're, yeah. you'll quickly die like they did. I think that, like, because I was, when I was, like, when I was watching, like, Quibi and how it was growing and how it was developing, I'm like, okay, so I see that they did a lot of great partnerships with all these different celebrities. They mm -hmm. have different celebrities hosting different shows. They're pushing it. They're picking up old content. They're creating original content. But I, then when I seen, like, 24 hours later, Quibi is gone. <laughs> and I was just, like, I didn't understand, I think, until me and you had that conversation yep. when you were explaining how... It's because they, they isolated their audience to a cell phone. And, you know, I'm thinking, well, we're at home on our cell phones, right. but actually we're at home on television. Well, actually, that, that's a great point. And I think the, the, the observation is, is is consumer choice, which is yeah. what I love about I found that was mantra, like the, the anywhere, everywhere approach. And what we did at Zeus is like basically the app is available everywhere. So what happens if you limit something to a device like they did, you've effectively limited the choice. It's like, if I wanted to watch it on my TV, I can't, right? Mm. We discovered that early on in, in embedding like Chromecast and AirPlay. Now you disable that and you're forcing me to sit here if I don't have a stand to hold this and watch it for yeah. any other time. And you don't like, even think about that type of stuff, but that is kind of limiting your audience. But it's also another example where it's like, you, you know, money, there's several, there, there's, COVID-19 has been the great equalizer. Yeah. Somebody called it the other day, I thought I was like, that was brilliant. Um, it's been the great equalizer for us to, to, to lay the level of the, the playing ground. And what you realize in the context of Quibi, it's like you get stars, doesn't necessarily matter. Money doesn't necessarily matter. Mm -hmm. Content is king and you've got to deliver stuff that people want, period. Yeah. And, um, you know, Zeus is such an exciting like, case study for me. I'm really proud of, uh, of Lemmy, who I, told, so I talked about, who's the, who's the founder. And we're super visionary, super hungry. Like, to me, if I ever wanted to, like, take a young entrepreneur and watch somebody, I'm like, go watch this guy work. Because yeah. he is, a, he is a, a machine. But one of the things that um, he figured out was, you know, starting with big stars, is, like, some of the content that's actually performed have been people who you've may not have heard about. Yeah. The show right now, it's, like, killing it for the network is uh, Chance has a show called Oh, One, one More Chance. Chance. Yeah, yeah, I've seen that they just launched it. And and I think one thing that I think um, Zeus has done very well mm -hmm. when it comes to the content that they create is they've created content where it's like, I, I'm going to use this term, like I feel like it's like they've catered to that ratchet, don't give a, <laughs> don't care audience. And, you know, they've dominated in creating content for those people. Like even the the show, The Conversation, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, like I feel like all the content on that platform caters to that audience yeah. who was that audience who back in the day, they loved that real raw, loving hip hop. Right. They loved that real raw bag of stuff. But 
then it got commercialized and I feel like yeah. Boost Network took it back there yeah. and brought it back but let the people who they loved create the content. Well I like to say this, I'd always I'd speak on big data and like information and, and, and created the structure and um, uh, that kind of explained like how to use data and go back to our earlier conversation like understanding audience is such a critical part which is you know it's information intelligence and innovation it's like information is like what we know intelligence is how much we understand about what we know and then innovation is like what do we do about it and i think in the case of zeus go back to the inception of the of the of the of the network there was a diverse number of shows some of them scripted some of them not um particularly a lot of it was uh was short form what we discovered in the data that people were watching all the content like at a really really high clip like and that's like okay crap we got a problem because the short form is 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 exciting and consumable, but once the customer is done, they're done. They, they love the platform, but they don't see the value, right? So you'll notice that a couple things happened over time. The show got longer, and they also started focusing on you know an audience and a structure yeah. that was very clear that it works. And I, I think that's part of the intelligence of in the in the in the content world. Going back to our conversation about Quibi and some of the other people, a lot of other networks that have ended up in uh, the Deadpool yeah. that didn't take the moment to say, "Hey, what does our audience want? Not let's just what do we give them? What do they what do they yeah. like? What are they what are the completion rates? What are they actually like, sitting through and watching? What are they saying?" And that's such a critical part of like I think what Zeus is successful is, is like I don't think it's indigenous. Um, to, to Zeus. I think it's a, the same sort of success you see at the high level of, of a Netflix, but then all the other things that sort of in between that do well and the ones that struggle mm -hmm. are based on their ability to serve an audience and understand information as it comes in. When it comes to like creating content, mm -hmm. um, for people who are creating content in the digital space, what advice do you have for people other than understanding who your audience is, because of course that's like a big component of it, what advice do you have when people are going to distribute their content? Well, I, I, I'd say the, the thing that I would say is be okay with the truth, right? Mm -hmm. You and I have a connection through the church, right? Mm -hmm. Through Cali Worship in the prior, one of the years, few of the years that I, uh, that I uh, sort of spent outside of, you know, entertainment. I was a consultant for a number of nonprofits, <clears throat> particularly in the Christian space. And I came up with something called Jesus Marketing 101, mm -hmm. which is Jesus goes to the disciples and says, who do who do men say that I am, right? And then so he asks that that's the first that's the first part of the question, which is super critical. Then the second part of the question that he asks, he says, "Who do you, who do you say that I am?" Right? What people do is in, in like actually telling that story, so dismiss past the fact that everything that he asks is really important. Yeah. The reason why you need to understand what do people say is because you're going to spend the rest of your lives ministering to people who don't really even understand who he is. So like that first question is just as important as the second one. Right. So then the, the part that I'd say for, for content creators, business owners, you create an app, I talked about of yourself, is you gotta be okay with the reality of what people say. It's like, they're gonna tell you that it sucks, they don't like it, and I, I launched my own first app, Valentine Yourself, which did really well, I mean, did really well, but some people were so cool and so mean, I'm just like, this is my baby, and I'm just like, yeah. <laughs> come on, there's only, it's only one, there's only one song, and it's like, you have to pay for it, and it's like, why would I pay for this? And they were, it was brutal, but that information, even though it may not have been the truth or the true perception, and it would be very different than the second questions that Jesus was asking the disciples, who do you say that I am? And guess what, both those answers were wrong, right? We had to wait to Peter. We had to wait for Peter to get the revelation from, from the Holy Spirit to say that thou art the Christ, the son of the living God, right? 
at the end of the day, even people that are working for you in your company don't necessarily know. This is the consulting part that I did with, with organizations. They may be working for you, but not necessarily know what the genesis and the real purpose is. And even in the content, like people can mean well and be so excited about what they've done, but just realize that the real world is gonna have its own perception, right? And that's every business, that's every piece of content, and the way that you govern your actions is not based on what you think, yeah. right? So, I think that, uh, but I think that's one thing that people don't want to do is they don't want to be real with themselves because it hurts to them. Like we were just talking about no, earlier. We I, was just, I, I was literally just talking about that. I won't go into that because that yeah. person won't know too. I have <laughs> no problem. I have no problem with homie. But uh, but my question to you is uh, going back to creating content. I'm talking to Mike. Mm -hmm. uh, but going back to creating content is um, is there like a standard that you think people should put out content? Oh. Well, I think sometimes people, if you, if you take an objective look, right, can you, do you enjoy it? Could you watch it? Could you sit through it? Right? I don't think some of that, those honest questions people don't ask. I do think that some of the, going back to like the technology discussion, I do think there's like just certain table stakes. Like bad audio is like a dead giveaway. This is bootleg, right? So it's like, you know, <laughs> dead giveaway, right? And you can have. You know, great cameras, great lights. And I'm, just, like, I'm reflecting back to all my horrible audio <laughs> interviews. Like, <laughs> like, I, like, I choked up on, oh, I put all those out. <laughs> but, 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 at the, but, but, going back to the actual content itself, I think the thing that we have to search for and have to be honest with ourselves about is that there's all sorts of things that predictably in a creative room, nobody would say that was a great idea. Like, who? Said the Tiger King was great. Was a great, was a great idea. I wasn't. <laughs> you said you said like when they were setting it up. Yeah, who was like who is the who is the bold blankety blank that was sitting in the room? Yeah, and said, who said we're putting this you out. know what? There's this guy Joe, right? I mean that to me that ends up like the other person, the person who put that forward. But here's the reality: I lost 14 hours of my life watching it, watching every single bit, right? And so I think that there's a lot of a lot of creative consternation where people sort of actually uh, it's a discipline that I loved and I reminded her about the other day the president the new president of uh, of, uh, of uh, Laugh Out Loud Ty Randolph is a great friend another brilliant person to follow um, she started getting us out of the, out of this discipline of saying that something's a bad idea like it's a, it's such a horrible stigma that it's almost like self-deprecation is, is somehow pious and great and it's like no it's just my the, Somebody said somewhere, Tiger King and a bunch of other bad ideas that have uh, that have truly transformed the world. I mean, yeah. there's a lot. Of... And might even help this man get out in prison. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like almost got almost almost on the verge of getting this man a pardon. <laughs> like, right. You know, telling the telling the story. Right. But we all know, it, and, I, and that's the that's the the, the the cool thing is that we. Uh, you know, even some of the more ridiculous stuff that I've done, it's like very seldom do you have a conversation where it's like, I can't, you know, where people, I can use a Tiger King reference and people don't know what I'm talking about. It's like now it's in our, you know, culture and our vernacular. So somebody somewhere. So I think a lot of people, um, going back to the discipline that we developed at uh, Life Out Loud, which I'm really proud of and I've carried with me um, uh, since leaving there, was like this idea of throwing out, oh, this is a bad idea. Because there are a bunch of bad ideas that have succeeded. I think what happens is, that bad ideas that are greatly executed end up being great, right? Yeah. And it's, a lot of times you have good ideas that are poorly executed, and it's like, ah, there. So the execution it's, it's part of it. Yeah. That's what. That's exactly what I was about to ask you next. Because mm -hmm. uh, I see it all the time mm -hmm. where it's like, 
in, 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 you know, somebody give, give an idea and uh, especially, you know, the industry that I'm in, I'm, I'm actually like in the industry where you'll hear something yeah. and you'll be like, that sounds fucking nuts. Like, yeah, right. Yeah. But when they execute it, yeah. it's great. Let me go outside of content and give you one of my favorite stories. Right. So I've, I've had the ability, the, the fortunate ability to work with a lot of celebrities, like some of the, and almost everyone, like some of the most coolest, humble people, Kevin, just beautiful, wonderful, great person. Um, I worked closely with Brad Pitt and Angelina Jolie. Brad, and like the whole thing was like kind of a cool, you know, kind of cool introduction to Hollywood. Like to say, here are these big names who are humble, yeah. grateful, they're listening to me, in my opinion. I'm like, who am I? Little country boy from, from, uh, from Memphis. And um, so I'll never forget, we were, I, I came to set up a sort of a kids network. That was what brought, brought me to LA. And we were going to be, we needed to get sponsors. We needed, we needed people to sign on to be with us. So we were going to go see Jessica Alba. It just so happened my boss was the, the former, at the time was the former head of uh, William Morris. and was a person who kind of facilitated the merger between William Morris and Endeavor. And, uh, and I had to hear the story before we walked in the room to meet Jessica that she didn't want to meet with us. I'm like, why? Why didn't she want to meet with us? Yeah. Well, because she went to him with this idea of the honest company. And he shot it down. He's like, it'll never work. So wow. we actually had to, we actually had to walk in the room, and I'm there, and his uh, the two of them his his uh, his uh, his uh, her husband and my boss are good friends. So he's like, here's what I'm gonna tell you to do. You gotta bring some boom chicka pop popcorn and like a full we had a full care package. And the first ten minutes was her sitting across the table <laughs> like this. You said it wouldn't work. And yet we're in the building. <laughs> we're in the building, and we're in this. And at the time, it's actually the building's right behind um, uh, Lionsgate, um, in a shared sort of huge space where Yahoo was. And it's just a huge, like 30,000 square, square foot building, you know, with products up the wall. And she walked us over to um, walked us over to the place and put prepared bags and stuff for all of us, and went through every single product of like why she created it and what was the passion. And, and and all the above, and it's like, here it is, this guy. Yeah, I think a lot of people have been discouraged by walking into a room, telling somebody about their dreams, uh, and then it doesn't work, and, and, and using and allowing their feedback to stop them from going. She didn't, that's such a remarkable story. I loved watching her work and, and even looking at the growth of the company, and it's such a moment for me to say, hmm, not every great person who you go to who has the money to help you, who has the ability to help you, will not do who they need to. Yeah. I think the, the end goal of everything is make sure that your execution yeah. is there. If you're going to go forward with whatever you're trying to do with your life, make sure you take the time to focus on your execution yeah. strategy. Yeah. Because if you're not executing it properly, it doesn't matter what it is, how yeah. great it is, it, if it didn't get executed properly, yeah. no one cares. Yeah. So, based off the of execution, so this is my next thing. This is something that I see a lot that people kind of steer away from or get tunnel vision and want to do things themselves. How do you feel about people starting things themselves versus actually building, teams. building a team and getting the right people around them? Like how significant I think is it's that? Great. I think it's actually probably the single greatest inhibitor, which is why you asked what my role was and where I appreciate partnership is you know there's an african proverb that says you want to go fast go alone you want to go further go together i might have butchered it but it was something <laughs> yeah, like it's, 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 it's it's pretty, pretty much like that. Yeah, yeah. almost almost got it um but I, I think that a lot of people have inhibited and retarded their growth by not partnering 
Um, and there are some partnerships and there's certain people that, you know, it does end badly and there can, you can't end up partnering with the wrong person and so. But I do think that the, every, every success that I've talked to, every success that I know about, I can point to maybe one key person, but that key person also had other key people around them. And really great leaders, and I learned this from uh, from from my boss um, at uh, Harper Collins, who's now one of the, one of the CEOs there, and um, he's very one of the smartest people I've ever met. But it was like I surround myself with people who know what I don't know, who are smarter than me, and that's the type of you know I think the the, the certain level of there's a certain level of hubris that some people have where they think I can do it alone. It's like nothing, nah, nothing, nothing, nothing great was has ever been accomplished alone. Jesus himself, once again. The Son of God had twelve disciples, yeah. right? And it's like, and, and so let's and, go right there. Yeah, right. Acts <laughs> chapter two, Peter goes and preaches. Jesus could have done that, but that wasn't his assignment. It was Peter's. So if 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 the greatest man who ever lived needed people, and I think that's actually the the, the brilliant things we start finding out um, about people that we think are so great. It's like ah, no, nah, they had help. It's yeah. Somebody, yeah, somebody, somebody behind that was helping you. You know, yeah. and that's okay. And I think that's a part where um, I don't know if it's selfish ambition or whatever, but I just don't know. I know a lot of great people who have done a lot of great things, and no, not one single person who's done it alone. Yeah, because I, I don't think anything can be done alone. Yeah. I mean, I think that's like a great way to wrap up today's conversation yeah. too, because I I feel like when you're trying to build a network, if you're trying to do anything in television and production. Um, it is great to have a great team and to go start sourcing your team. And I think sometimes when you think of the word team, you think, oh, I got to go hire people and I don't have the money to hire people. But sometimes it's not about hiring people. It's yeah. about coming together yeah. with people yeah. and being able to offer someone else something that they and they can offer you something and you guys can go together to get there. That's an interesting thing, too. I don't know how much you're following. That was an idea. And one of the, I think, uh, advice I was given to someone because I come in into Hollywood is like, never enter into a room. I can't remember who told me this advice. It may have been um, Boris Kojo. But just that uh, a lot of people think objectively about what can you do for me instead of, uh, um, I, I, I hate to get the attribution wrong, whoever said this because it was a powerful moment. It was like, actually, enter every conversation with, what can I do for you? Yeah. What, what actually, what skills or what opportunity, what do, I, what do I have? And what I like to think is I've sort of built, a, I've started to build a, a career and and and, uh, and reputation of people picking up the phone and saying, "Hey, how do I?" Yeah. Right, and I love being able to answer that question. And even when I can't, being able to figure it out. And I I certainly have my circle of people that I call and say, "Hey, how do I?" Right, and and I feel like with having that sort of access, then anything is possible. Yeah, anything is possible. And how I know that earlier you said that you're an avid for having like talk or writing people back on LinkedIn. Mm -hmm. So I feel like that would be a great start today for people to yeah. if they wanted to reach out to you. Um, um, and if is that where you want people to reach out to you? Anywhere, you where everything's uh, at Shane Norman, Twitter, Instagram, whatever. I'm super super accessible. I don't, you know, there's no, I'll talk to anybody, literally. And I've and I've I've appreciated along the way develop, developing relationships with people who have made time for me when I had nothing to offer. So yeah. I, you know, that's, that's, that's who I am. Yeah. If anyone is out there and you're watching and you like absorb any information from today's um, conversation, I do want you guys to go and flesh Shane Norman and tell him thank you. Um, Cause we appreciate you for coming on the show today. I know Disco's walking out right now. He appreciates you for coming on the show today. <laughs> and I 
thank all of you guys for tuning in and watching and listening to Knowledge is Key. Um, we will be back with more great shows like this to give you guys way more great information. This is Shay Norman. Thank you so much for coming great in. And I'm Key Renee, and I will see you guys next time on Knowledge is Key.